Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Rostein. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. And that leads us to today's topic. Hi, my name is Kate, and I have a new little baby sister named Emma. I read online that it may not be the best for my mom to fall asleep in the same bed as my baby sister, since it could potentially be dangerous. Obviously, it might not be 100% true because I found this online, but I was wondering if I should just put her in the crib by herself. What about even stuffed animals and toys? Let me know. Thank you. That's great coming from Kate. Those are a lot of really excellent um, concerns. And first, you know, congratulations to Kate and her family on new baby sister, right? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But safe sleep is a very important topic, so I'm super happy that she brought this up. Right. So she mentioned the co-sleeping. She mentioned um, the stuffed animals and stuff. These are all really important issues, right? Yeah. Because sleep should really be a relaxing time. Yeah, for the child to sleep. And the parent. But sleep can be very difficult with newborns. Mm, yeah, and we talked about the challenges of sleep in infants in a previous episode. But in that episode, we did not talk about safety issues. And that's why this is a great question. Yeah, a lot of parents worry about SIDS. That's sudden infant death syndrome. Also known as crib death. Or cot death. And for some parents, this worry about SIDS can be overwhelming. And SIDS can be a real tragedy, too. Right, so it's a really important topic. So let's talk about the basics first. Good idea. Okay, so first, what what is SIDS? SIDS is the sudden, unexpected death of an infant younger than one that occurs while they're sleeping. And so that's really scary. Is this common? It is common. More than 3,500 babies in the U.S. die every year from SIDS, and I know... I've seen it in my relatively short training, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you've seen it. Most mm-hmm. pediatricians have seen SIDS while they're practicing. Yeah, it's really, it's really a, 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 just a real tragedy. Mm-hmm. And are all these cases unexplained? Causes are found for some of these deaths. Like? Some are accidental. For example, accidental suffocation or strangulation. And how does this happen? There are multiple causes for these. So we should talk about this, right? Right, because it's all about creating the safest sleep environment for our kids. Okay, so what are the risk factors for SIDS? All right, so let's think about things that little babies can do and what they cannot do. Okay, well, they can do cute. They're awfully cute. (laughs) (laughs) They are cute, but think about a little baby. So what might they not be able to do in a crib? Well, they haven't developed yet. Right. So the young infants, they don't walk, they don't crawl. Right. They're not as strong and they're not as mobile as older children. And how does this increase the risk of SIDS? Well, they can get stuck in awkward positions and not be able to get themselves out of them. So what do you mean? So, like, they can, you know, move and get smushed up against a pillow. Oh, I get it. Or against a stuffed animal. Right. So, when babies are asleep... With pillows or blankets? Then these could cover their face. Oh, and then they could suffocate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so no pillows, no blankets. No soft surfaces, like no soft bedding. No crib bumpers. And crib bumpers are those things that are kind of decorative that go up against the sidewall of the crib. Right, Mm right. And no toys in the crib with a baby while they're sleeping. Okay, what about sleeping with adults? Although sleeping with your baby seems nice. Yeah, lots of family togetherness. This puts babies at risk for getting trapped under the adult. Or having the parent roll over them. Mm -hmm. And this may result in suffocation. 
unfortunately, yeah. But parents want to snuggle with their babies when they're small. And snuggling is totally encouraged. Parents should snuggle with their babies. Okay, so we're not the snuggle, please. <laughs> but n- no, no, not when they're sleeping. Yet. Right, right. Okay, so it's okay for parents to bring their baby into their bed sometimes, right? Right. So, for example, they might want to feed them or comfort them if they're crying. Absolutely, that's great. And then place the baby back into their own sleep space when the parent is ready to go to sleep. Exactly. Okay, so I don't mean to be repetitive. (laughs) But but what? One of the other issues with co-sleeping is that we want the child to get used to sleeping on their own. Right. It is important that babies are allowed to and know how to sleep in their own space to set up the habit for later on. So for more information on this, we discussed this in our Infant and Toddler Sleep Challenges episode. Right. So listeners can go back to that episode if they want more information. Okay, so what about the Back to Sleep campaign? I'm glad you brought this up. It was a very important campaign. So why does this work? Well, let's talk about what it means. Okay. Well. Okay, I got this one. (laughs) Back to sleep. It means when babies are too young to turn themselves over, then the safest way to sleep is on their backs. And maybe we can guess as why this may decrease the risk of SIDS. So if they're prone, if they're laying on their stomachs, then their face could really get pressed into the bed and then they could suffocate. Right. So is there evidence that this back-to-sleep campaign works? Yes, totally. We know that babies who sleep on their backs are much less likely to die of SIDS. Compared to babies who sleep on their stomachs or sides. Yes, it's scientifically proven. There have been many research studies that show this to be the case. Okay, so that's good. But what's wrong with kids sleeping on their sides? Although it seems like this might be safe. Because they shouldn't be at the same risk of suffocating like babies on their stomachs. Right, but they're much more likely to roll onto their stomachs or roll into a position where they're at risk of suffocation. I get it. Good. Okay. But some parents worry that babies will choke when they're on their backs. This is frequently mentioned, and parents are concerned about this, especially if they have a baby that spits up frequently. Yeah, because that's like spitting up is like reflux. And if they have reflux or something like that, this means that their airway could get blocked. Well, I can see why parents would be worried about this, but actually babies have different anatomy than we have as adults. And so the way that their breathing tube, their esophagus, and their trachea are in proximity to one another actually makes it so even if they spit up, they are very, very unlikely to aspirate or have that spit up go into their lungs when they're lying on their back. Okay, so that's the, they have a gag reflex also, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we got to trust evolution and biology here. Yeah, so even babies with GERD. Okay, even babies with gastroesophageal reflux disease. Should sleep on their back. Okay, so all babies should be put back to sleep every night. Yes, and every nap. And then when they start turning over. So you mean when they, you know, get to six months, four or six months, they're rolling. Right, yeah, so they're turning over by themselves. Then they should still be put to sleep initially on their backs. Until when? Usually we recommend doing this about until their first birthday. And then they can sleep on their stomachs or sides. Or any position, because really they have the motor skills at that point to be able to roll out of the way, kind of, you know, at that age, they're like pulling up to stand on the side Mm -hmm. of the crib. So we can trust that they're not going to suffocate. Okay, so I've heard concerns about babies being on their backs all the time and that that can lead to some problems. There are some misconceptions about back to sleep. Such as? So we're not recommending that babies are on their backs 100% of the time, right? Right, right. Just for naps and sleeping. Right. So kids should also be on their tummies. So that's tummy time, right? Mm-hmm. And they should have a chance to play on their tummies every day. Every baby? Mm-hmm. And when should this start? 
Really, it starts as soon as you bring your baby back from the hospital. So put the baby on a clean, firm surface. Mm -hmm, Like a blanket on the floor. And make sure you supervise. Right, because if baby falls asleep... Then put the baby back to sleep. Correct. Tummy time is important for development also, right? Right. Tummy time builds up a baby's arms and shoulder and stomach strength. And it prepares them for rolling and crawling. And it helps them develop a normal head shape. A round head. (laughs) Okay. And it gives them a different perspective of the world. Right. They're looking out. They're developing their thinking skills. And when they start reaching for toys in tummy time. Yep. Then they're developing their arm and their hand and finger skills, their fine motor skills. And hand-eye coordination. Mm Mm-hmm. So parents should aim to do this for about 30 minutes every day. But they don't have to do it all at once, all 30 minutes in a row, right? No, definitely not. I mean, you see these newborn babies and parents trying to do tummy time and the baby's just like basically like face planting and miserable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So even very short periods of time, multiple times throughout the day is totally fine. Because the young babies may only tolerate a minute or two on, on their tummies, at least at first. Right. And then as they get older, you build up to longer periods. So you start off on tummy time and then when the babies get fussy. You can roll them over and pick them up and comfort them. And try another activity. Mm -hmm. Some babies really don't like tummy time. (laughs) I have a few babies in my life that did not like tummy time. Oh, really? Yeah. So um, if that's true, then parents can try different positions, right? Yeah, like you can put the baby on the tummy on your chest so that they feel that closeness to you. So the parent is lying on their back and the baby's on their chest. Mm Mm-hmm. And once the baby gets more comfortable with this position... Then you can try moving them to tummy time position on a blanket or on the floor next to them. Right. Or some people use their thighs and sort of place baby on their tummy across their thighs. While they're maybe sitting in a chair and singing to them. Mm -hmm. That's a great way to do it. Mm -hmm. And once the baby can roll over on their own... Then they can move themselves between tummy time (laughs) and other positions. Right. So they can refuse to do tummy time altogether just (laughs) by getting out of it every single time. Right. (laughs) All right, so we're getting away from our safe sleep discussion. Oh, yeah, so a little bit of a digression, huh? So let's get back to sleep. Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) I like that. So Thank you. I have some humor sometimes. (laughs) Okay, so I want to talk about some possible exceptions to back to sleep. Okay, what are those? Or special situations. Mm -hmm. So what about newborns? Well, what about them? So we talked about skin-to-skin in a previous episode. Oh, right. Our skin-to-skin episode, we did. Mm -hmm. So when we did that one... We mm -hmm. talked about the benefits of placing a newborn skin-to-skin with the mother immediately after delivery or as soon as possible. So at least the first hour. Right. So most of the time, the most natural and comfortable position is going to be... Right, with the baby's stomach up against mom's chest. Right. So that's, you know, kind of going against this back-to-sleep thing. And is this okay? Yeah, this is okay. Because once skin-to-skin is finished... Like when the mother's really tired after giving birth, so she needs to sleep... Then we'll swaddle the baby and put them in a bassinet on their back. Okay. What other situations were you thinking about? Well, I was thinking about preemies. Yeah, babies born prematurely. Yeah, so sometimes I see patients in the NICU and I see them on their stomachs. Totally. I'm working in the NICU right now uh-huh. on nights, and we have tons of babies that are prone. 
But that's for certain circumstances. Okay, so that's the NICUs, the neonatal intensive care unit. Mm -hmm. And the children who are on, who are prone on their stomachs um, in the NICU, they need to be this way because of breathing problems. Right. Premature anatomy can be a little bit different. These kids sometimes require supplemental oxygen or other things. And so by putting them on their stomach, um, it helps with their oxygenation. But this is a really unique population in these small, small babies. And this doesn't, they don't do this forever. No, and when they're doing this, they're also on a monitor, right? So we mm-hmm. can see their oxygen, we can see their heart rate, mm-hmm. and everything like that. So where they're being very closely monitored. So if the monitor might alarm off, if they're having breathing problems, then then somebody attends to them. Right. And when they mature and their anatomy changes and grows and the breathing problems resolve... Then we resume placing them on their back. So they're always discharged with parents being educated that really the back to sleep is the most appropriate position for them. So they get started on this in the nursery, in the hospital, Mm -hmm. and then before they go home. So they get used to it. Exactly. Okay. Are there any other situations that babies don't always sleep on their backs? There can be a few. Such as... There are some special conditions in newborns, like airway problems, sort of like we talked about, mm-hmm. where the ENT specialist— The ear, nose, and throat. Mm-hmm, they may recommend that a baby be put down either in the side-lying position or on their belly. But this should only be undertaken under the guidance of a medical specialist. Right, and with the awareness of the risks and benefits for that particular infant. And how about when babies mature? In what way? So they get older, and then they also get stronger. Mm-hmm. And then they start rolling over onto their stomachs. Right. And as we talked about before, this usually happens around four to seven months of age. So what do parents do at this age? At this age, the same thing. You just want to put your baby back to sleep in the crib. And if they roll over onto their stomach? Then the parents don't need to be waking up every hour to make sure their baby's still on their back. That's okay. Okay. So you just put them back to sleep. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. And are there other concerns with the sleep environment? There are some other concerns with sleep environment. So the babies may roll over onto something that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's important not to have blankets or pillows. Or stuffed toys or those bumper pads that go around the crib. Mm-hmm. And this goes also for quilts and comforters. Or those really soft sheepskins. Uh-huh. Because if the baby rolls into these items. Right. Then it can block the flow of air. And sometimes parents worry about babies getting cold. So sometimes that's why they're using these blankets and sheepskins. Right. So it's important to remember that sleep clothing is appropriate. Okay. So what's appropriate sleep clothing? Um, Well, they can have these sort of wearable blankets that are open at the bottom, but are secured tightly around the upper part of the baby. So that they can't suffocate the baby. Mm -hmm. And what about dressing in layers? That's a good point. I'm glad you mentioned it. We know that adults often recommend dressing in layers. But I've heard some parents be concerned that they might be using too many layers and then the baby will get too hot. Mm -hmm. This can happen. So how many layers are too many? (laughs) (laughs) Usually we recommend dressing the baby in one more layer than the parent is wearing. Okay. So what about swaddling? Yeah. So I mentioned swaddling before. Swaddling goes back many, many years. Okay. So I'm the right guy to bring this up. (laughs) (laughs) I'd have to agree with that one. Okay, so swaddling is an old practice of wrapping infants really snugly in a light blanket. Mm -hmm, Or any cloth, really. Mm -hmm. And then their movements of the limbs are pretty tightly restricted. Mm -hmm. And swaddled babies are generally more comfortable. So this is recommended. Yeah, but you want to make sure that once you swaddle the baby, the baby's on their back. Of course. 
and the swaddle shouldn't be too tight. Because if it's too tight, it might make it hard for the baby to breathe. Mm-hmm, or move their hips. So at what age should parents stop swaddling? Well, the baby will be less likely to be comfortable being swaddled when they look like they're old enough to try and roll over. And babies will make it clear that they do not want to be swaddled anymore uh, uh-huh. because they all scream and, you know, move their arms around against it. So why is rolling over? Why is that a time to stop swaddling? Well, it's just making them feel like they're trapped, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like a straitjacket in a sense. I see. So, yeah. So, so they wouldn't appreciate it then. Right. So, as with everything, some babies love being swaddled. Some do not. But just follow your specific baby's cues. Okay. Well, let's move on and talk about the room temperature. Um, I'm comfortable right now. No. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm comfortable too. What I mean is let's talk about the appropriate temperature of the room that the baby is sleeping oh, in. Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh-huh. So it is important that a baby does not get too hot. Okay. Because this will help reduce the risk of SIDS. Right. The room where the baby sleeps should be a comfortable temperature. So that an adult in a short sleeve shirt will feel comfy. Correct. Okay. What about if a baby falls asleep in a car seat? This is common. My dad says he used to have to drive me around the block (laughs) in the car to make me fall asleep. Uh Um, But many parents feel this way. Mm -hmm. So what if they fall asleep in a stroller or a swing? Or one of those carriers or a sling like we talked about in our Wearing Your Baby and Skin to Skin episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. So after the baby falls asleep, they should be moved to a firm surface to sleep on, on their back as soon as possible. Okay, so you mentioned firm surfaces, so let's talk about them. Okay. Sleep surfaces. Right. So cribs and bassinets. Mm -hmm. Or portable cribs or play yards. Yeah. So how do parents know that it's firm enough? Just test it. So they need to like lay down on it. You know, I don't think most parents would fit in a bassinet. (laughs) (laughs) Some would, some would not. You're right. (laughs) Okay. And I guess what I'm thinking is, you know, softness or firmness, that's pretty subjective. Yeah. But there's really a simple enough test to see if it is firm enough. And what's that? It should be hard. Okay. So when you lay the baby on it, it should not indent at all. I see. So that makes sense. And the mattress should be tight-fitting within the frame of the crib. So that the baby can't get trapped between the mattress and the frame. Right. And the sheets? The mattress should be covered with a fitted sheet that's tight-fitting and designed for that specific mattress. So no plush or pillow top mattresses. (laughs) (laughs) No, as much as we love those as adults, they are not appropriate for babies. (laughs) Okay. We already said that nothing else should be in the crib. Except for the baby. Well, thanks for that reminder. (laughs) (laughs) And one more thing when it comes to these products. Yes. They need to meet specific safety standards. Who sets these standards? In the USA, it's the Consumer Product Safety Commission, or CPSC. So parents should only use products that meet CPSC safety standards. Definitely. Okay. So I've seen some crib mattresses and sleep surfaces advertised to reduce the risk of SIDS. Yeah, they'll market anything to parents these (laughs) days, won't they? Well, that sounds good. Do they actually work? There's actually no evidence that these products' claims are true. So should parents avoid these? They can feel free to use these products, and they probably fit a lot of the criteria we're talking about today, Mm -hmm. um, as long as they meet this CPSC safety standard. Okay. But they may also be more expensive and, you know, might not be necessary for some So they're an option, but we're not recommending them. Right. Okay. What about other sleep surfaces? What do you mean? 
So couches, sofas, or armchairs mm. are usually not firm enough. No, these are extremely dangerous places for babies to sleep. And I'm guessing waterbeds? Definitely not firm enough. Okay, so never put your baby to sleep on a couch or a sofa. No, or an armchair or a waterbed. In fact, the one case, the unfortunate case that I saw of this was um, on a, a parent that had fallen asleep on the couch with the baby. Mm, um, so it's one of those things that is just horrific and no parent we never want any parent to go through, to go through right that, yeah and um, so there were two risk factors in that case well, right co-sleeping plus the sofa yeah mm-hmm. so we talked about the dangers of co-sleeping which is the parent sleeping in the same bed as their baby but even if they aren't in the same bed parents want to be close to their newborn of course unless they have a colicky baby that doesn't sleep well at all <laughs> no i'm just kidding all parents want to be close to their newborn right so um what about sleeping in the same room We definitely recommend room sharing. It's great. Okay, so keeping the baby's sleep area in the same room that the parents sleep in is encouraged and recommended. Yes, for the first six months of life at least, and ideally for the first year if parents can handle that. So put the baby's crib or bassinet. Or portable crib or play yard. In the parent's bedroom. Mm -hmm, Close to their bed. And this is healthy, right? This is very healthy. And this has actually also been shown to decrease the risk of SIDS by as much as 50%. Wow, that's a a big decrease. (laughs) Yeah, and it's much safer than bed sharing. So room sharing will make it easier to feed and comfort the baby also. And keep an eye on them. Okay. What about pacifiers? What about them? So many parents use them at nap time and at bedtime. Very common way to soothe the baby. Mm -hmm. And I've heard that there may be some benefits to using pacifiers. Yeah, this has been a really interesting one because pacifiers have actually been shown to decrease the risk of SIDS. Wow, but... You know, a lot of times the kid has the pacifier when they go to sleep, and then it falls out after the baby's asleep. Yeah, um, even in these situations, it has been shown. Okay, so we're recommending using pacifiers. I think we are, but the timing is very important. Why? Because pacifiers can also interfere with initiation of breastfeeding. Oh, and we can't emphasize enough the benefits of breastfeeding. We've mentioned this constantly. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> practically every episode, except the teen episodes, I think, yeah. <laughs> But it is important to talk about that even just breastfeeding lowers the risk of SIDS. So that's one more benefit of breastfeeding. That's that's great. Right. Another reason to right. encourage breastfeeding. But back to pacifiers. So mm-hmm. we recommend using them only after an, a newborn is really established at breastfeeding, so has a really good latch and suck and knows what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Then at that point, we can introduce a pacifier. So this would be usually around two to four weeks of age. Right. And then maybe try and phase it out, you know, once the child grows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you don't want you know, the five-year-old that still has the pacifier. Now, <laughs> right. that can be a problem, right. but mm-hmm. we don't need to get too much into this. Okay. <laughs> so, um, we've introduced the pacifier. The kid's breastfeeding great. Mm-hmm. But we want to make sure we don't attach pacifiers to infant's clothing. Or attach to other objects. Like stuffed toys that might be in the crib. Right? Because this may increase the risk of suffocation or choking. Mm-hmm. And if the baby's not breastfeeding? Then you could introduce the pacifier whenever. Okay, and if the baby doesn't want the pacifier? Like everything, babies are unique individuals. Some may not want the pacifier, and that is totally okay. Okay, so don't force the issue. No, definitely not. That could make them develop some sort of oral aversion, and we (laughs) would not like that. But maybe you might want to try in a few days or like another week later or something. Sure. Okay, are there any other things that parents can do to decrease the risk of SIDS? No smoking. Well, that's silly. Babies don't smoke. (laughs) 
<laughs> we both know I'm not talking about the babies. <laughs> okay. I'm talking about the parents. Smoking is bad for the parents. Of course, but it's also very bad for the baby and any other people around. It's bad for their lungs, right? Right, but exposure to secondhand smoke almost doubles the risk a baby will die of SIDS. Wow, that's that's a big risk then. So we need to keep a non-smoking environment around the baby. Yeah. So there's one other issue I'd like to bring up. What's that? Well, it's one of my favorite issues, which is immunizations. <laughs> <laughs> what about immunizations? So in addition to immunizations preventing vaccine-preventable diseases... Right. They also have a significant protective effect against an infant dying of SIDS. Okay. So what about the use of home heart or breathing monitors? You mean like those little things that parents are now buying for home that track, tracks like the heart rate and the oxygenation? Exactly, yeah. Those are popular. I will say a lot of my friends have asked me, like, should I buy this for yeah. home? Well, should they? So they have their place. But? They're sometimes used for medical conditions. So if a kid, if we're really worried about a kid, we may recommend sending one home with the parent. Mm-hmm. But have they been found to reduce the risk of SIDS? They have not been found to reduce the risk of SIDS. Okay, so... I'm on board with all these recommendations. But I'm sensing some hesitation. Yeah, I guess I'm just thinking that all this advice that we've been discussing has really changed over the course of my career. What do you mean by that? So babies commonly used to sleep with toys and bumpers and blankets, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. co-sleeping was not a big deal years ago. Right, but we know so much more now. Right, and I'm, I'm on board. I'm with you on this. And yet... I'm worried that parents these days may get pressure from others to not follow this guidance. What do you mean? Of course everyone wants to decrease the risk of SIDS. Yeah, of course they do. Yeah, but I guess I'm thinking that well-meaning like grandparents and others might tell new parents to just ignore these recommendations. Oh, I see what you're saying. Because they didn't do this when they were young and their kid turned out fine. Right, right. You know, I put my kids to sleep in, you know, in cribs with toys and bumpers and blankets. Right, or they enjoyed co-sleeping. Right, and some of these are like family traditions of like ways that that kids go to sleep, of putting babies to bed in a certain way. Mm -hmm. So how can parents respond to this? Well... I think younger parents need to do what's best for their children, right? Of course. So we have all of this new information that's going to make their babies safer. And so they can educate their oldsters, mm-hmm. you know, or their grandparents or whoever. And they can always feel free to bring them to pediatrician appointments and we will educate them <laughs> for them. Okay. So although they're well-meaning, they <laughs> just need to communicate that there's there's new ways of doing things that we now know are safer for right, the baby. right. Okay, so let's summarize the main steps that parents can take so that babies sleep safely. And reduce the risk of SIDS. Of sudden infant death syndrome. Mm -hmm. So no co-sleeping with parents or siblings. Because the parent may accidentally roll over onto the baby. And always place your baby on their back to sleep. Every night. And every nap. Until one year of age. Mm -hmm. Make sure the sleep surface is free of clutter. To make it safer for the baby. So no pillows, blankets, bumpers, or stuffed animals or toys. Even if the toys are really cute? Even if the two toys are extremely cute. Okay, so only the baby should be in the crib. (laughs) Correct. And no soft bedding. A firm and flat mattress. And the crib should be certified safe. Yep, by the CPSC. The Consumer Product Safety Commission. And in addition to All of the other benefits of breastfeeding. Breastfeeding protects against SIDS. And so do pacifiers. And finally, immunizations don't just protect against vaccine-preventable diseases. But they can also protect against the risk of sudden infant death syndrome. 
So if parents follow these simple steps, the risk of SIDS will be reduced. Then parents will worry less. And everyone will sleep better. Agreed. Great. So getting back to the topic earlier, Mm -hmm. I think that Kate has a great point that her new baby sister, Emma, should always be placed on her back to sleep um, and placed in a crib with nothing else in the crib, no stuffed animals. I mean, you know, you get so much stuff when you're mm-hmm. having a baby. Bumpers, blankets, mm-hmm. stuffed animals. It's not uncommon, but you can leave those outside of the crib and, you know, have those for the babies to play with mm-hmm. uh, outside of the crib. Right. And no co-sleeping. No co-sleeping. And that reminds me of a joke. I'm so, so shocked. (laughs) Okay, so how do you get a baby astronaut to sleep? I don't know how. You rock it. (laughs) I do like that one, actually. Like Like a rock, like rock the baby. Yeah, so all all my jokes need explaining, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we thank Dr. Laura Kerr from the UC Davis Children's Hospital for reviewing today's topic, although Dr. Lena and I take responsibility for any errors or misinformation. That wraps up this episode of Kids Considered. You can find more information on our website, kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu. Follow us on Twitter at Kids Considered. And Instagram at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388. Or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com. Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital.